everything I desire, only this I see, just to dwell, dwell with you here forever, this will be my posture, laying at your Oh, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. Dearest Father, closest friend, most beautiful, most beautiful, you are. Dearest Father, closest friend, most beautiful, you are, you are most beautiful. One thing I desire, only this I see, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. This will be my posture, laying at your feet. Oh, just to dwell. Hi, morning, everyone. We welcome you to this session. Hello, please. Can you hear me? Kindly confirm that you can hear me. Yep. Okay. Morning, Adesoji. Hi, morning. Can you please confirm I can share my slides? Yes, I've I've requested for that. Okay. So you say is post disabled. Okay, please hold on. I'm sure they'll work on that. I've requested that they enable you to share your slide. Okay, when are we starting? Because um, I think people are trying to join and it's saying the webinar, this is a, the webinar will begin soon. 
Okay, uh, Victory Sanctuary, please permit people to join. They will, they will be they will be able to join very soon. Thank you very much. Okay, when do we start? Do you know? We're supposed to start at 11.05. Welcome, Mr. Fikayo Aremu. Hello, Mr. Aremu. I think he's on mute. Mr. Remo, please unmute your mic. I can't unmute you from here. Okay, he's in a meeting. He said he can't speak. Okay, okay. Uh, can't share slide still. Please allow him share his slide. Yeah, hi, I can't share my slides. And we also have Hello, please allow. Yes, please. All right, sir. So. Okay, but I'm here as a panelist. Okay. Let me, let me let me check it again. People are telling me it hasn't started, but anyways, let me. Look. I can hear you. Yeah. Yes, he can hear you, Pastor Ibukun. He can hear you. He heard so, you. So he's going Pastor to. Ibukun. Okay, um, I can speak for about three minutes. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a meeting. Yes, we were requesting, we were requesting that you allow. Yes, we understand, um, Mr. Fikayo. We're requesting that we allow um, Adesoji to share his slide. So we did you log in? Soji, did, you, did you log in? Hold on. Uh, did you log in as a panelist or as an attendee? Log in as an attendee. Please, there's a link that we shared. Uh, I just shared another link with you. You have your own unique link that's been shared with you as a panelist. Another one was just shared with you now. Okay, let you me try that. You okay. can log in, let then me, you can, you'll be able to so share So, Mr. Fikayo, how do I see people that are waiting to join? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been allowed in by the host, which is Victory Sanctuary. 23 people are in now. 24 okay. people. All right. See their name. If you look right. at the Participants, just click the participants. You will see panelists, and then you'll be I've able to seen, see all I've of seen them. It. Yeah. It okay, I think yeah. Soji is coming back now. Yeah, I'm back. Can, okay, Thank I'll, you very much. I'm off now, guys. Thanks. Can I share my slides though? Click the share screen button. Yeah, and it says host has disabled attendee screen sharing. No, you are not an attendee. Okay, I clicked the link that was sent to me just now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are now a panelist. So I don't know why. For example, I'm a panelist and I can share my screen. Oh, what's the civil? Um, Kelvin. Um, okay, let me come in as please try and make Soji at this Soji and click on his name and give him rights to share his screen. Please click on his name. Give him rights, give him rights. You can give him rights as a host. 
Click. Okay. So you'll be able to do everything now. Okay. So let me share my screen. Okay. Great. So All right. Thanks, guys. What What are we doing now? Okay. So Julian can start. Yeah. I will quickly I will quickly introduce you. Um, then you'll share your screen, or you could go ahead and share your opening screen while I introduce you. Would that be fine? Yeah, that's fine. All right, thank you very much. So I wait for your screen, then I will read your introduction. Okay. Can you see my screen now? Yes, fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome to a session for today. We're talking about managing finances in I am one of us. And today we'll be having our own Ade Soji Solanke. He is a director uh, Frontier and SSA Bank Equity Research at Renaissance Capital, London, UK. Adesoji Solanke is a first class graduate of Babcock University and has over 10 years experience in financial markets. His most recent role has been in private equity and venture capital working in fintech and renewable energy. Prior to, his, prior to this, he spent six years at Renaissance Capital, where he was a lead SSA bank analyst and head of Nigeria research. So get ready to learn a lot from him today. He is the number one rated equity analyst in Africa, SSA by Financial Mill in 2015 and 2016. Soji recently completed an MBA at the London Business School as a Mo Ibrahim Scholar, an award given to an exceptional and high potential African candidate. At LBS, he excelled at stock picking winning the fall 2016 stock pitch competition and the Silver Bull Award in July 2019 for value investing. He also served as the president of the prestigious LBS African Club and as an analyst on the Student Investment Fund. Now back at Renaissance Capital, he covers financial institutions across frontier markets, including sub-Saharan Africa. He will be here with us for today and tomorrow, same time leading this webinar. I'm just a moderator. So thank you very much for joining us at this OG. It's a pleasure to have you. I will say you have an amazing uh, bio. It's good to have you here and we can't wait to get lots of insight from you today. Are you ready for us, sir? Yeah, hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very, very loud and clear. Okay, great. All right, so um, I don't know if you can see my slides. I can oh. see your slide as well. Okay, great. All right, so thank you. Everyone. from the audience that they can see your slide. Okay. Um, we can all see your slide. You have the floor, sir. Okay, great. Um, so because we have uh, limited time, thank you everyone for joining. Yes, you know, my name is uh, Soji Shalanke, as she, as um, Julian mentioned. Uh, so today, as you know, this is part of Big Three Sanctuary's annual convention. Um, so it's a two-day. So I was, you know, I was asked to moderate. Or should I say, um, host a two-day presentation. Uh, so I'll be speaking today and tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be for just about an hour. 
Uh, so for today, we'll cover a couple of things. I will set the foundation for what we will discuss tomorrow. Um, so today we will cover the power to get wealth and the love of money. And we'll look at all of this from the a biblical viewpoint. I would also look at fundamental Bible principles about money itself. And also what does the Bible teach about saving, investing and debt management. Then for tomorrow, we will look at how did you learn about money? Okay, I could tell you about how I think I learned about money. Look at practical steps for this potentially challenging times. And would also, I would also aim to give you a free simple tool to help you with tracking your inflows and outflows. Okay, so you have to be on tomorrow because I'll paste the link in the group chat tomorrow. Um, okay, so a little about me, like I okay. said, so I'm in equity research. I look after financial institutions for an investment bank. I studied economics at Babcock University, um, finished my MBA from London Business School. And I also worshipped at Victory Sanctuary for about 15 to 16 years before I moved to the UK. Okay, so let's uh, get into it. Okay. All right, so do you know the Bible talks over 2,000 times about money? Even more than prayer or faith. You know, which, frankly, you might find surprising because it's not often what you think. And the other thing is, if you look at the many parables of Jesus Christ, he spoke about 15% of his parables were on the topic of money and possessions. And the question I found myself asking was, you know, why such an emphasis on money and possessions? And I believe there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. So this is something that we must get right because we are not born with a manuscript about how to deal with money. So there's this quote here, which goes, the Bible does not condemn the rich man because he is rich. Neither does it declare the acquisition of wealth to be a sin. It also does not say that money is the root of all evil. On the contrary, the scriptures state that it is God who gives the power to get wealth. And this ability is a precious talent if consecrated to God and employed to advance his cause. We cannot make the heart purer or holier by clothing the body in sackcloth or depriving the home of all that ministers to comfort, taste, or convenience. Going on, the scriptures teach that wealth is a dangerous possession only when placed in competition with the immortal treasure. It is when the earthly and temporal absorbs the thoughts, the affections, the devotion which God claims that it becomes a snare. It is the love of money itself that the word of God denounces as the root of all evil. Like all the gifts of God, the possession of wealth brings its increase of responsibility and its peculiar temptations. So this is a quote from a lady called uh, Ellen White. Now, the main issue with money and mastering the management of money or finances, it's all about something called stewardship. And this is because every, we need to understand that everything we have comes from God. So yeah. he is the master and has set expectations and standards for everything he has given to us. This is whether it's your abilities, your talents, your skills, your time, your mind, your life, your husband, your wife, your body, the environment or nature and money itself. So the task for me and for every one of us on this call and indeed everyone in the world is find out God's expectations for all of these things and obey them. It's that simple. Nothing more, nothing less. Where do we find it? We find it in his word, which is the Bible. Now, what does the Bible tell us about money? And when I study, and this is something I've, you know, coincidentally spent a lot of time on, just trying to figure out for myself. I find that a cardinal principle in the Bible is something called the first fruit principle. And the thing with principles is, irrespective of whether you are rich, you are poor, you are a slave, you are a master, you are white, you are black, principles never change. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, 
follow the principles and live how they apply to your life to God. So the fundamental life principle here is put God first and trust him with everything else. If we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the verse there says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In Romans 11, verse 16, it says, if the portion of dough offered as the first fruits is holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. These principles we find in nature itself, if you treat the, the seed you sow in the ground properly, everything else that grows out of the ground is going to be perfect, right? But the, the core aspect of how well the tree grows is how you treat it from the foundation itself, okay? Same thing when you're building a house. The foundation of the house determines how strong and indeed even how high the height of the house itself can go. Now, when it comes to money, one thing we find in the Bible is the principle of tithing, of tithing. And tithing is 10%. It's 10% of your gross income, which belongs to God. And we are then to give offerings generously. And my approach to offerings is it's best you work with a percentage of your gross income as opposed to just saying that, okay, I've given my 10% tithe, then whatever it is I like, I give with offerings. Um, so this is how I approach it. Um, because you determine the percentage, you figure out, do I want to give 5%, 20% as offerings or whatever it is, and stick to it. Okay, this is your call. There's nothing in the Bible that says, give a particular percentage as offerings. You don't find this in the Bible. What you find is the tithe. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, the verse there says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. When we tithe, we unlock God's blessings on the 90%. Like I said, think of this as the root and everything else. Your tithe is not your seed. So let me say this again. The tithe is not your seed. The 10% belongs to God. It belongs to him. So whenever you choose to spend your tithe, the 10%, you essentially eat in what belongs to God. And there is, you can think of it as when you do that, you bring a curse upon yourself. Or better said another way, when you do that, you rid yourself of the blessings which God intended to give to you. So your tithe is not your seed. The 10% belongs to God. The 90% is your seed. And what the Bible tells us is the 90% is blessed. But many of us eat or waste our seed because we don't know what to do with it. Neither do we even know what the expectations of the 90% are. So what should you do with the 90% other than giving parts of it as offerings? So this is the foundation of everything we'll be discussing today and tomorrow. Um, tomorrow we'll, we'll make it more practical, you know, move away from the theory and, you know, bring everything home. What are practical steps you can actually take? Now, so the first thing is saving. And in the Bible, when we study it there, you know, the Bible talks about saving so, so many times. And the question I'm asking here is, why save? And what does the Bible tell us about saving? So in Proverbs 10, verse 5, it says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who slips in harvest is a son who brings shame. So you can think of summer as the period when there's, bount you know, there's bountiful, there's a lot of blessings, you have a lot. But he who sleeps when it's time to harvest, you know, is the son who brings shame. In Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 8, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. But why? What's, what's special about the ant? Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, the ant prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Then finally, Perhaps if you're looking for a more candid example, this is in Genesis 41, verse 47 to 49. This is the story of Joseph 
when he be- when he became king, and there was going to be famine in the land for seven years, and there was going sorry there was going to be good bounties in the land for seven years, and following that was going to be seven years of famine. Joseph, you can say, had ant wisdom. He saved in the seven bountiful years, and the entire world was blessed for it in the tough times. So across the Bible, we find and we know that we must have a good saving culture. We must learn to consistently put aside from our earnings into savings. Don't spend or eat everything. Mastering this is your wisdom. Okay? This you must get. If you, if you never understood this from when you were young, it's never too late. So saving is critical. So that's the first thing. The second thing is around investing. So some of us, some of you may think that because you do not have a business or finance background, you shouldn't learn how to invest your resources. But unfortunately, you are wrong. What, what, I, what I find in the Bible is investing is actually greater than saving. Okay, so yes, save, but investing is the next level. When you study in Matthew, so actually there's a bunch of Bible verses which I'm not going to go through. So if you want to write them down, please feel free um, to take them down yourself and study them in your free time. So if you look at Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30, uh, so this is the parable of the talent. And we see that the servants who multiplied what God gave to them were called good and faithful. While the one who did nothing was cast out. The master said he should at least have kept it in the bank to earn an interest. So hold on, what, what, what exactly did the master mean by at least? It meant while keeping it in the bank is good, it is not as good as investing and multiplying it. And I'm saying this because many people are, all we do is just leave the money in the bank. And perhaps in Nigeria, for example, where in, in the olden times, you could earn as high as 15%. Perhaps that was sufficient because every, I don't know, six, thereabouts years, you double your investment if you're compounding. But if you are not in, the, in, uh, in Nigeria, for example, and let's say you're in a developed market where interest rates are zero or 1% in a, be- in a best case scenario, you're earning nothing. So just leaving your assets in the bank, it wouldn't be considered as being prudent. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't save, save but you also need to think about investing. Now, someone else will tell me that, okay, I don't know how to invest. I don't know where to start from. The Bible also has something to, something to say about this, which is get good advice. Proverbs 15, verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. So study, ask professionals or businessmen. And even nowadays, many things are free online. So actually, you have absolutely no excuse not to learn. Okay. The other thing we learn about investing from the Bible is diversified. And this you find a verse in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. In essence, do not put all your eggs in one basket. So what, what could this mean in practice? Don't just put all your, let's say, all your assets in stocks. Um, don't just put all the assets in bonds. Um, you know, think about how well you can diversify across different asset classes. Um, this is beyond the remit of this conversation. Um, you know, but think properly about how you diversify diversify your investments. Then the final key thing I thought to share on this topic also is do not be greedy for gain. So if you look at Proverbs 15, verse 27. Uh, I don't have the verse in front of me, but in essence, what it's telling us is do not be in a hurry to be rich. Patience is what the Bible teaches, as well as trust in God. A greedy heart will lead you down dangerous paths, you know, because when you're greedy, what it does is it makes you uncomfortable with steady gain, right? Because you're in a hurry to achieve certain things. You feel a need to be at a particular level. Uh, but what the Bible is actually trying to, or should I say what God is actually trying to build in each and every one of us is patience. Okay, and learning to live by faith and how to trust, how to trust in him. So as Christians, it is God's desire that we know how to manage our finances properly. So I've spoken about saving. 
I've spoken about investing. I'm now going to talk about debt. So what does the Bible teach about debt management? And the Bible has a lot to say about debt, but the more you study it, the more you actually find out that the Bible does not speak kindly about being in debt. Okay? If you look at Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. If you look at Romans 13, verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. But God knew that because we live in a problematic world, we could end up in debt. So he had a solution. If you look at the Old Testament, there was a solution he proposed to the Israelites then, which involved periodic debt forgiveness. So if you look at Deuteronomy 15, verse 1 to 2, uh, that verse, those verses say, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. This is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. But we know that in reality, the world we live in nowadays, this is hardly practiced. You know, it's almost unusual for you to expect your bank to forgive, forgive your debt. But the IMF, that's International Monetary Fund, they do practice this with certain countries when they get, or should I say when their backs are against the wall. But that's as good as it gets. Um, for you and I, we live in a, in a society where debt is encouraged. You know, in some countries, they use a lot of the, they focus a lot on credit scores and the use of credit cards. And some of us are also struggling with debts. You know, and I presume perhaps someone on this call is. Uh, some people are stuck with credit cards, you know, rotating one credit card after the other. What I believe God and the Bible is trying to get us to do is we must get in front of our debt situation. Okay, even more importantly nowadays that the economy is weakening, we must aim to get out of debt as quickly as possible. Now, um, this topic I will delve into a little bit tomorrow. There are some ways to think about it. And at the same time, Whilst I said, you know, the Bible does not speak kindly about being in debt, there are some intelligent ways to use debt, okay? But this you have to use very carefully. You, need, you must know what you're doing, and it's ideal that it's not a matter of habit, okay? Um, so these are some of the things I will talk about tomorrow. The essence of this conversation, like you know, is, you know, how to think about your finances in a COVID-19 environment. So everything I've spoken about today uh, is a foundation that everyone should have, irrespective of who you are, wherever you are. This is a foundation that even if whether you believe or you don't believe, this is a foundation that everybody should have. Okay, it sets a foundation to build on. Now, the practical steps that you take requires a bit of additional study, knowing what options you have, asking for advice, etc. So all of this I will dive into tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to summarize today. So this is, in essence, the crux of my presentation for today. What have we gone through today? So let me just summarize. So the first is, it's God who gives the power to get well. To get well. And he ind indeed does desire for his children to be fruitful and blessed. But the love of money is what grips and destroys most of us, leading our hearts down very dangerous paths. We looked at the cardinal principle, which is the first fruits principle. Put God first in everything. This particular principle I will build on tomorrow. Okay, same time, 11, 11 a.m. tomorrow. We looked at the first principle when it comes to money, which is the 10%. The 10% belongs to God. It is not your seed. It's not for you to eat. It belongs to God. It goes to the church where you are being fed spiritually. Okay, not some charity or any way you feel like it goes to the church. This is in the Bible. This is not one of those topics that, you know, you debate. Pick up your Bible, study it. It's crisp and clear, plain English. There's no debate about it. Okay, so your tithe is not your seed. The 90% is your seed. It's blessed when you are faithful with the tithe. Do not eat your seed. 
We spoke about saving, learn how to save. If you're a parent, teach your children this from a very early age. If you're already old, it's not too late to start to practice this. Learn how to invest. And finally, do your best to avoid getting trapped in debt. If you're in debt, work very quickly to get out of it. There could be short-term compromises you need to make. For example, maybe you will have to avoid, you might, you might find yourself that you can't save sufficiently in the short term because you're trying to pay off a lot of debt very quickly. And that's qualifying. Okay, but it's important to get a handle of your debt situation if you're in debt. Now, for tomorrow, what will we talk about? We'll look at practical steps you can take on all of this, things we've discussed. Then, like I mentioned earlier on, I will provide a free tool that you can work with, which includes a budgeting sheet you can start using straight away uh, to help you track your inflows and your outflows. Okay, so for tomorrow, it's 11 a.m. to 12 noon. I'll make it more practical, but today was just about setting the foundation for tomorrow. Okay, so that's it from my side. Um, Julian, I don't know if, if there are questions or what you'd like to do after this. Yes, we we'll have questions. So um, thank you very much, Mr. Ardesoji. I appreciate this. Um, what an amazing foundation from the word of God. So to um, listeners, uh, beloved brothers and sisters, please feel free to ask questions. He has broken it down into two. Today we are laying the foundation and we are not just laying foundation, we are laying this foundation in from the word of God. So you understand what he will be layering on this foundation tomorrow. So we'll, we'll need your questions. We have um, time for Q&A, and we encourage you to drop your questions in the comment, and I will read it out, then he will respond to our questions. And we already have um, a comment here. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, Soji. Thank you for making yourself available. That is from Ezinwain Kena here. Thank you very much. Mr. Soji has done a good job. That's from Abimbola. He has made it very simple. Amazing. Thank you very much. Please, we also need questions. We encourage you to ask so that he can build it in into his response to us tomorrow. So please, questions. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your contribution. We also need to ask questions based on what we've done today. I, I gathered a few things here. The God is the one that gives the power to create wealth, and these fundamentals are based on the word of God. If he's not interested in us creating and building lasting wealth, it won't be in his word. And we learned that it was mentioned 2,000 times, or even over 2,000 times, about money. So it's not evil. Is the thing, the way you go about it sometimes that makes it evil. I also learned that we are stewards. I'm doing this while we're waiting for your questions and your comments. We are stewards. And as a steward, you are supposed to actually find out what God expects from everything he has given to you. He has an expectation. Even as we come to him, and most times in all our requests, we are asking, give me, give me, give me. He will give you, but what are those expectations as a steward what are you supposed to use all the gifts that you are asking god for to do on this planet julian yes please there's a bunch of questions i see here i don't know if you can see them but i'm happy to take, yeah. them, yes. take them as we go all right all right um all right so um i see one here being more explanation on night. So where is the storehouse in regards to where? Can, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I was already reading one question. Olusha is asking, where is the storehouse in regards to where the time is sent to? I think he means the tight. So where is the storehouse? Okay. So your, your, your storehouse is where you are being spiritually fed. Okay. So this is your church, in simple terms. So that's a church where you go to on a regular basis to receive the word of God. Um, that is because the tithe is to be used by the pastor, the man of God, 
to take care of his needs and the needs of the church. Okay. So that's where your tithe should go. It's, you know, it's that simple. All right. We have another question from Onaulapo Akinolu. Some people out there debate tithes as the pastors buy jet with the people's tithe. How do you do your tithe when you know the tithe won't go to the gospel? Please enlighten us. That's Akinolu from South Africa. Okay. So um, the simple way I can approach this question is the instruction from the Bible is clear as to what we should do. Okay. Um, the Bible doesn't put the responsibility of judging the pastor in our hands now. Okay. So that's, that's as far as the Bible goes. Okay. Now, if the pastors or the leaders of the church choose to do certain things, which are not in keeping with the word of God, judgment and vengeance is in the hand of God. It's not in our hands. Okay. So which is why I said earlier on, where you choose to go to receive spiritual blessings um, from the word of God, that's where your tithe and offering should go. That's as far as the Bible goes. You know, that's as much as I can say. All right. Thank you very much. We have another question from Ezima Ikena here. There is a popular saying that the difference between a rich and a poor man is access to loans. What do you have to say about this? The difference between a rich man and a poor man is access to loans. I think what he's probably trying to say is that the rich person perhaps has a better understanding of debt and can use that wisely to generate more financial capital. And if that's what he's saying, then yes, you do have a point. So which is why I said earlier on that there, there are some intelligent ways to use debt, you know, but debt is like a burning flame. You need to be extremely careful how to use it. Um, if you're going to use it at all. I think that that's his point. So, yeah. Okay, we have another question from Folake. You said first fruit is the total whole salary or part and also 10% part of it. Please clarify this first fruit part and also the tithe. I'm sure the, someone needs some clarity here. So I'm not sure I got the question, but if the question is, what is your 10% off? What do you calculate 10% off? My point earlier on was 10% of your gross income. So your gross income is your gross income before taxes. Um, I will give you my own example. For many years, I always did net. So it was 10% of what hit my bank account. That's what I paid my tithe on. You know, that was my understanding. That's what I did for so many years until a few years ago when I figured out that, you know, the benefits from returning my taxes or paying my taxes is actually part of my income because the government theoretically is providing some sort of benefits, which I also get you, which I, which I also benefit from. Like I said, theoretically, it's not always the case, um, you know, but I think depending on your level of faith, right. Um, some people are at a net level, Okay, and that's where your faith is at. If you are looking to get your faith to the next level, you can certainly consider 10% of your gross income. So if I'm to give it a bit more practice, when I say gross, right. let's assume your taxes are 20% and your income, your gross income is 1,000. So that's 10% of 1,000, which would be 100. Okay, I suppose if you're doing net, you'd be doing 10% of 800, which is 80. Okay, so that's the difference. So I'm saying ideally you are doing 10% of a thousand, which is your gross, which is paying hundred as your tax. All right. Thank you very much. Another question we have here is, um, so what about debt that you incur for business purposes? Is it right to take loan for business purposes? Like I said earlier on, um, if you are using debt to generate more financial capital, it's something that can, can be considered, no must be considered. It's not a must. It's something that you can consider. Um, but like I said, you, need, you must know what you're doing with it. Okay? You must have a good sense of the sustainability of the cash flows of your business because what happens with debt is you are spending future cash flows. So money that you don't have today, you're spending it now 
in anticipation that in future, you are going to have more to be able to pay off what you've spent today. It's that simple. So now, how well you understand what is likely to come in future, the risks to that stream of cash flows, it requires a lot of intelligence. Perhaps the rich men understand this better, um, but at the heart of it with debt, you need to understand that the future is always uncertain. Okay, so you must be very careful and do with debt with extreme caution. Okay, so yes, you could do it if you're trying to use debt to generate more financial capital. But like I said, you must think very carefully about the cash flows that you expect to come in future and the risks to those stream of cash flows. Okay, one more question. Um, can you use tight to pay debt? The very simple answer is no. I believe that if you have your income, like I said, the tithe belongs to God. It's, I don't know how much more clearly I can say it. It's, maybe I should say it's not negotiable. You don't negotiate on your tithe. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't belong to you. Okay, everything you have comes from God. He gives it to you. And it tells you that, show me your faithfulness and that you trust me with what I've given to you by giving me back 10%. The 10% is mine. It's God, not, not mine. Like, it's God's, okay? So you choosing to use it to do anything else other than giving it back to him, like I said earlier on, you are choosing either to bring a curse on yourself or to rid yourself of the blessings which God could otherwise have intended to bring you away. Now, if you're in a debt situation and you're struggling with your finances, there is an option called faith. You choosing to return your tithe when you're in a difficult situation, you are choosing faith. You are choosing the option which says, God, I'm in this situation. I am opening up myself to give you the opportunity to share yourself on my behalf. That is what you do when you choose to return your tithe despite difficulties. Okay, what most people would rather do is, look, I can't see where my income is coming from. All I know is what I see now. I need to pay X, Y, Z. So this tithe paying to someone I can't see, let's put that aside for now and let me sort out these immediate problems. That approach is the faithless approach. And I'm trying to teach you the biblical approach which gives long-term peace of mind. The biblical approach is, Trust God with all of these problems you see now. Faithfully return your tithes, okay? And choose faith, okay? Like the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The entire, like I said, the entire thing about money and managing money is about faith and learning to live a life of faith and trusting in God. That's what all of this is about. This is not about whether you can become rich or you can become poor or how much you have in your bank account. Everything about money management is preparing you to make it to heaven. Okay. Preparing you to learn an attitude of faith and to live a life of faith. That is what it's all about. Nothing else attached to it. Okay. And if you master it properly, leave the rest to God. All right. Thank you very much. Um, we have a question here from Fumilola Usman. I, I want to say that you can keep this question because Soji is going to deal about, uh, talk to us about this tomorrow. So then your question will be applicable. Okay. So Fumi, don't miss tomorrow's session so we can take other questions from today. We are almost done for the day. Thank you very much, all those that are responding and thanking our speaker for today. Um, Thank you for doing justice to this topic during lockdown. I decided to share my tithe to the less privileged and my mind has been justifying the act. Please help me clear this. So like I said, the, the tithe goes to God. Simple. Okay. You don't, we don't choose where the tithe goes. Where the tithe goes is, it's in black and white. We can't change it because of how our mind thinks. Full stop. That's it. The tithe goes to God. Full stop. It doesn't, we don't choose where it goes. It goes where God has said it should go. It goes to your church. That's it. What you do with the 90%, if you have a burden for other people, like I said, the 90% is blessed. 
With the 90%, you could decide to do charitable work. So you can decide to bless other people, help someone else. That is a choice you can in honesty make with the 90%. But the tithe goes to the church. All right, thank you very much. Um, someone is telling us that we have questions on the Facebook platform. We will pick those questions and they will be the first things that he will respond to tomorrow before we go into other questions. We need to wrap up for the day. We need to go into prayers. So we'll come back tomorrow refreshed. And I would like us to pray over what we've heard. Um, I will find out how we'll get access, how we'll have access to this recorded session. I think we need to digest this. And I believe a lot of us are in line with what I have suggested. So for other questions, we will take your questions tomorrow. And we will also read out the comments, definitely. So we all get uh, the blessings from comments, from suggestions. Right now, I'm actually copying out everything in here. Thank you, everyone. Yes, please. Can I just take two questions that I thought were important before we drop off? Please go ahead if you yeah. can see them while I'm copying yeah. this out. The question I see here asking about, do monetary gifts constitute part of income that tithes should be paid on? The answer is yes, it does. Um, the other question I saw here... Um, was please i need more explanation on 90 percent being seed so if your income is a thousand ten percent which is 100 is your tithe that goes to god 90 percent is the left is the remaining nine nine hundred you decide what happens to 900 you decide what portion of the 900 you want to give as offerings to god what portion you want to give to your parents what portion you want to give to your family what portion you want, what portion you want you to help other people what portion you want you to sort out your expenses what portion you want to use to save, invest? That is the 90%. 900 is blessed when you are faithful with the 10%, 100. Then the final question was, um, how can one learn contentment in this fast-paced, greedy world? And like I said, you know, to Samson is, learning contentment is at the, at the heart of everything about managing money with the Bible, biblical lens in view. Okay, so understanding tithing, offerings, helping the needy, and learning how to, because it's all about selflessness. What, the, what, the, what God is trying to get us to do is to learn to be selfless. Learn not to put yourself first. Learn how to put God first, other people next, before yourself. That's what this is all about. Okay, so the answer to your question is practicing these things on a daily, monthly basis, whatever it is, this is how you learn contentment. It's by doing it, that is how you get the benefits. Okay? Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So questions have been copied, and I will also go to the Facebook group and copy other questions. So we have a few announcements before we will uh, do the closing prayer. Okay? We'll go on an hour break. Um, and we have another session on family. Even if you are still dating or you are married and you are here with us, please, we encourage you to join the next session. Don't miss it. Um, it will be via Zoom as well, just like we've done here. Okay, the link has been shared. and We'll encourage you to go back. If you are here to sign up for it, please sign up and get the blessings, don't miss out. Um, our children will have presentation later today at 5, 30, 5 to 5.30 p.m. And our session continues tomorrow. I will encourage us not to miss out. And invite your friends, don't learn alone, okay? These are people you might be partnering with in business in future. These are people that maybe they are your siblings, so they also learn from what you are hearing. Um, when, let me not go into that because uh, family matters can be somehow. So we'll go into prayers and we will wrap up for today. So you take, catch your breath and join the next session. So let's bow our heads for prayers. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for an amazing opportunity to learn at your feet. Father, we bless your holy name for the opportunity to learn the fundamentals of money, finance, and everything around it. 
Father, thank you for using your son as an oracle. Thank you for giving him the grace to dig into your word, to show your children exactly what you have for them in this time and season of overflow. Father, on our own, we can do nothing. We ask, oh God, that you teach us beyond what we've heard. Open our eyes of understanding that this word, Lord, will remain indelible in our hearts and we will apply them in our daily lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we will not be hearers only, but we will be doers of your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to realign and readjust how we see money, how we see our finances, so we can align and, Lord, we will stop feeding on our tithe. We will stop stealing from you so we can actually use the 90% profitably to move your kingdom forward. Father, thank you because we know you have answered us. We believe your word and Lord, we hold on strongly to it even in this pandemic, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us to build a faith that is unshakable. Help us to trust in your word because you cannot fail and you can not change. Thank you, Lord, because we know you have heard us. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you very much, Mr. Adesoji. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone that joined us today. We appreciate your presence. We're not taking it for granted that you left everything you were supposed to do and you spent this one hour with us. We will be back tomorrow. So, don't miss us. Set your alarm so you don't miss out on tomorrow's session. We appreciate you all. Thanks so much, Mr. Soji. God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. I can drop. I can drop off here. Yeah? Yes, please, you can. Thank okay. you. Great. Bye. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. There's an outpouring of abundance, of abundance. New doors have been opened. The glory of the ladder is greater than the former. The blessing is here. It's already here. Lift up your hands, God. The glory of the ladder is greater than the former. The blessing is here. It's all here.